Kings Insider Podcast on CSNCalifornia.com. Introducing your host, Sacramento Kings Insider, James Ham. Welcome to the NBC Sports Kings Insider Podcast, brought to you by Max Muscle. I am James Ham. Joining me on this season in review show. Mr. Aaron Bruski of hoop-ball.com. AB, what's going on? We're back. Yeah, we're back. A bit. It's, uh, the, the fans, they were wondering if I died in a swimming accident. I clearly did not. It's, uh, it's good to be back, though. It's, um, you know, this, the end of the season, it's always a little rough for folks in the media because you finally get some sleep. And uh, but but I want to look at this stuff. I want to look at the Kings. I feel like they had a really intriguing uh, last third of the year. So glad to be back. Yeah, I'm glad to be back too. Uh, you know, to be honest with folks, uh, exhaustion set in. The the like grand finale of the final week of the season was pretty brutal. It was what back to backs on Friday, Saturday, a day off on Sunday, and then a game, and then well, and then back to backs on on Tuesday and Wednesday, and then Jaeger and Vlade on Thursday. Um, just kind of a whirlwind that dragged uh, that dragged us down into the muck and. Uh, I thought, you know what, before we rush in and have a, an emergency season finale uh, podcast for a 32-50 and 50 team, maybe we take a few days. We take a, a breath, and uh, we did do a post-game show on Facebook Live, which was pretty cool, uh, after, the final, after the final game last week. Um, but me and Aaron will hash out this thing. We're, we're going to bring this thing full circle and get you ready for... Uh, for what's next for this this Sacramento Kings team? So, Aaron, overall, just give me a rough idea of your thoughts on how well this team did this season, uh, both pre and post Demarcus Cousins. Uh, sneeze. Oh, my sneeze went away. <laughs> <laughs> that sums up the season in a nutshell, right there. No, it I don't does. Know. It was a fake it, sneeze. That's what it was. Seriously, it, it's uh, it's. Okay, let me get something out of the way. You know, 32 wins. Um, you know, I was hoping for 34, and they were in about, I don't know, 15 to 20 close games that, you know, I felt like they could have won with a few tweaks here and there. So a little frustrating for me personally. Um, but the uh, as far as the, you know, the actual product on the floor, I thought that the beginning of the season showed promise. They did leave some money on the table in terms of team development. And um, I think there was quite a bit of frustration within the organization at the time. So it's really kind of hard to get in there and, and talk about that stuff without pulling out the scalpel. But the uh, the second or probably the last third of the season, you know, whatever you think of the trade, setting that aside, I think that the, the last third was extremely encouraging on a number of different levels for the fan base, for the team itself. You know, seeing folks out there with, you know, like Garrett Temple and Anthony Tolliver teaching those young guys, seeing the young guys get out there and get minutes and improve and and seeing Dave Yeager's uh, teachings and his system really catch hold in the last third of the season. I thought that that was extremely encouraging. So 
kind of a tale of two seasons, but as Kings fans know, it's never really quite as clear cut as that. Yeah, a tale of two seasons. I think that's a really good good way to put this. Um, I'll also bring up just to to make sure that people consider this as well when they when they look at the trade as a whole. But you can easily see now the Kings finished at thirty two wins. They easily could have won five or six wins and been, uh, I don't know what like the 12th 13th pick they even could have possibly pushed and made that eight spot um I, I don't know because portland did finish off on on a pretty good hot streak but my point is very clear if the kings had demarcus cousins uh they would not have had their their own 2017 uh draft pick i mean there's just no way you would have given that pick to chicago and so now just so people know the trade, the the Omri Caspi and a number one for J.J. Hickson deal from 2011, it's gone. It's over. <laughs> uh, the Chicago Bulls now have the Sacramento Kings second round pick. And the Kings in the deal, uh, when they when they made the deal with, for DeMarcus, you got to remember they also picked up a second round pick, but it's the Philadelphia 76ers second round pick, which is a really nice second round pick. It's like the fourth or fifth pick in the second round. So they have that pick. They have their own pick, and of course they have the Pelicans pick, which finished in the 10th spot. And again, the Pelicans finish with one more uh, win, wait, one more, two more wins than the Kings. Uh, two more wins. So again, it's easy to see how the Kings could have easily been the 11th spot, the 12th spot, and not had their pick. The reason I bring that up is that when I think the end result, when you do the full postmortem on the DeMarcus Cousins trade, which probably needs to happen like three years down the road, you need to consider Buddy Hield, you need to consider the 8th pick and the 10th pick, and that Philadelphia pick, all part of this trade, because... Uh, the Kings would not have had that pick if it weren't for the DeMarcus Cousins trade. So I'll get that out of the way. Uh, the The last third of the season, Aaron, for me, it was different than any other season that I've seen for this team. And I've seen this team quit plenty of times. I've seen them sit plenty of players, but I haven't seen them sit and and bench and and sort of do away with the end of the season quite this way where they fought each and every night but they did it with a very young core of four first round picks from 2016 and a first round pick from 2017 and they really let the young kids play except for Malachi Richardson who was of course injured and then they peppered in veterans you know around this to try to fill out the roster but they asked their veterans to do something that was very difficult to swallow their pride and sit and uh, to a man, their veterans took it like professionals. Uh, they they did not want to sit. We know that much. I know that much personally. But they all said, you know, we understand. And so sort of a strange into the season. But really for me, it's a building year, at least a building third of a season, which I think will pay off huge dividends down the road. Yeah, and when I look at this, I, I, I have a hard time getting critical over certain things like, you know, it, it's part of what we do when we're, we're trying to project, um, you know, whether it's season long numbers or, or whatever have you for teams that we'll start doing that in a couple months. Now we start to look at things really critically. And even during the year, we want to know 
our certain players, our coaches, schemes, systems, whatever uh, we're, we're looking at, you know, we really, really get in there knee deep and, and look at this stuff. So like, you know, we might have a, a thing or two to say about the way somebody might be developed like Scala BCA <clears throat> over the last third of the season. You know, was he given enough touches? Was, you know, were the other players, you know, especially the veterans that are free agents and kind of looking at their next deals, were they kind of looking at their shots in lieu of getting somebody like a Scala BCA involved? We could do that all day. But by and large, this was an extremely positive third of the season for the Kings. And when you look at like there's two schools of thought out there. One is to get the highest pick possible. And that development doesn't uh, matter, you know, that it doesn't carry over into the next season and organizations like the Spurs, the the Heat, you know, and a, a number of others, they don't look at it that way. And, you know, I think people that, that are in the game of basketball largely look at it the other way. They're not they're not a lot of tanking organizations out there. I think that the Kings did the exact right thing, putting these kids out there especially with the mix of veterans that they did in, in really getting after it and, and getting into winning situations and getting into pressure situations and even the stuff about making them earn their minutes while I'm not in favor of that, it's still the right way to go overall to keep the, the foot on the gas pedal for these guys so they can start to instill a winning culture. That's what you saw down the last third of the stretches the veterans rooting for the young guys the, the team rooting for the coach, the coach rooting for the team, just a really good vibe about all of them. So in that respect, it was wildly successful. So I don't really have a lot to say other than that, you know, about that last third. That's it. That's all you got to say. That's well, I mean, what else do we, I, <laughs> I think, I think that it's, it's, that's probably the biggest story is that despite the trade itself, you know, all of those points that you made earlier aside, I think there's still a lot to be said about did they get enough value for DeMarcus Cousins? And Yeah, you know, I mean, I think that's going to be debated forever. That, it will. It will be debated over time, and it's it's a tired topic, so I probably don't spend that much time on it. But the the way that this organization has been for, what, 10 years has been this kind of constant cloud over it. And for once, that wasn't the story. It was actually kind of boring to cover the Kings. Like there was just kind of simple development going on and everybody was happy to be a part of it. And to all of those issues, I think that's what made this really unique is despite whatever you think about that trade, this is a step forward for the organization. So that's um, extremely different for Kings fans. I think there's a true sense of optimism around the franchise. Yeah, I think that's something that has been captured. There is a true sense of optimism, something that we haven't seen in a long time. And that's because the Kings have two first-round picks. It's because they have a second-round pick. It's because they have the potential for Bogdan Bogdanovich to come over. It's because they have a uh, a young shooting guard that averaged 15.1 points per game over his last whatever games and shot a tremendous mark from the field. Uh, Buddy Hield absolutely put on a show down the stretch, and you've got to be really happy about that. Um, but it's also because you've got Scalabissier, who, oh my gosh, looks like he could be a future star. Uh, you've got Yorgos Papianis, who looks like he might actually be a serviceable NBA player. You've got Willie Cauley-Stein, who, uh, if you think you know what Willie Cauley-Stein is, I think you're crazy. I don't think anyone really knows what he is, but you obviously know that 
he's looking more and more like a legitimate top 10 player from the NBA draft that he was in. And then you've got Malachi Richardson, which it's very unfortunate what happened to Malachi and, and we're never going to be able to fully judge, you know, his season, but he's still got potential. And basically next season, it's almost like having another first round pick because Malachi is a very talented young guy, but we have, we haven't got to see him play nearly enough to make any judgments on him. And I mean, I guess the same could be said about Papianis and the same could be said about Scal, but Malachi is a little different because he, he finished you know, the whole second half of the season almost on the disabled list. Um, but, so but you're, you're, you're forgetting one other Garrett Temple. You know, this is a top defensive shooting guard in the league. Like it, I'm going to, I'm going to rate these guys that have the all defensive team votes. I'm going to rate them you'll on their never ability. Let us forget Garrett. Temple. I'm never going to, no, I'm never, never. Cause you know what? <laughs> it's my job to sit here and say stuff like this. <laughs> it's, it's uh, because, I mean, I've not seen this in a very long time. In the first third of the season, maybe the first half of the season, you brought a murderer's row of offensive players and guys that have had historic seasons, James Harden's, Russell Westbrook's, you know, up-and-coming players like C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard. You're watching those guys in the playoffs score at will. He shut down every single one of them. Not, yeah. like, not, not like missed one here or there. He literally shut them down. And that's I. You, he deserves more credit because there's no other player in the NBA that can say that they did that. Maybe with the exception of like Kawhi Leonard, and and Draymond doesn't get out there on the perimeter and cover those guys. So it's basically Kawhi and Garrett Temple, and that's it. Well, Tony Allen can still do it. Nah, nah. Tony, nah. Tony. Two years ago, I would have agreed with you. Now there's too much mileage, and and no offense to Tony Allen, but. I think if he gears it up for a game, he's he's probably a little bit better than Garrett, but not over the course of three, five, ten games. Okay, okay. So let's we're just going to run through it really quick. Uh, we're going to explain the roster situation and what's going on moving forward. Um, as of right now, uh, you know, we'll even go through a checklist here of players that will and will not be back, who may and may not be back, who are going to be tough decisions. Some of them. Uh, you know, at this point, realistically, we have nothing in stone for any of these players. Maybe one or two that I can say for almost a hundred percent sure they will not be back. Um, but there's going to be some some debate on almost any of these players, and it's going to be a wait and see approach because uh, I'll just point out that both Aaron Aflalo and Anthony Tolliver um, have have team options for next year. Aflalo is at twelve point five million with a two million dollar buyout. I have a one point five million dollar buyout for the Kings, um, and then Tolliver is an eight point five million dollar contract with a two million dollar buyout for the Kings. Uh, both of those players have uh, plenty of value that they bring to a club, but at the dollar amount, you're going to have to weigh them very heavily. And uh, from what I see, the Kings have a ton of cap space. We'll get into that a little bit later, but that's what I'm talking about. We're going to go through each of these players. And, you know, I, I'm going to say, Aaron, if we look at the point guard position, um, Darren Collison and Ty Lawson uh, really, all the way through the season, to me, they had their peaks and valley, valleys. They had their struggles. Um, but really, they brought a one-two punch that I enjoyed watching. I like Darren Collison as an offensive weapon, although I like him much better as an offensive weapon with DeMarcus Cousins because I think when you take away DeMarcus Cousins, he found the going much tougher. Uh, and I like a lot what Ty Lawson brought. He has off-the-court issues still. We know that. Uh, we won't know anything until I think it's May 4th on him as far as what's going to happen with him. 
uh, going forward. Um, but I like what both of them brought. What were your assessments on Ty Lawson and Darren Coulson? The stuff with Ty at the end of the year was pretty disappointing, and we don't know what it is exactly. So, um, you know, just the, the mere presence of it was a distraction, and and that's enough to um, to to be, I guess, a mistake. You know, what you I don't know. Um, a lot of a lot of coaches will say basically just. You know, if you get your name in the news, you know, it's kind of your your bad in a way like you, there, there's players that have been very good throughout their careers, keeping their names out of the news. And so the just the mere presence of his name in the news was disappointing. And he otherwise had a great season. And I thought this is a good stopgap veteran option, cheap that, that could be the starting point guard for the Kings going forward into next season while you bring up the young guy. And um, whoever that may be. Yeah, whoever that so, may be. <laughs> I think this is, um, you know, I, 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 you have to be right there at ground zero with him to truly know if it's worth pulling the trigger on it. Um, I, I think that, that that door is probably still open, but um, it's debatable. As far as Darren Collison goes, I'm a little concerned about his fastball. You know, it does feel like he's lost the ability to turn the corner a little bit. Some of the stuff, you know, as far as being more of a combo guard, having a little bit of a loose handle and doing things in a somewhat limited fashion because of the way that his game is, is more predicated on scoring rather than playmaking. I think that there is some concern that if you lose that athleticism, that there's a, a real fall off in his game as far as a starting point guard goes. Am I 100 percent opposed to the Kings bringing him back now? Um, but I think that there's probably better options elsewhere. Yeah, I'm not 100% opposed to bringing both back. Um, I, I actually, you know, again, I think it actually works. You just have to have, you know, consistency throughout the season. Um, I think Lawson, uh, he's played himself into a bigger contract, but a bigger one-year uh, non-guaranteed contract. So if I'm looking at Lawson, last season where the Kings scooped him up for less than a million dollars at the last second, I think he's probably going to... He's probably going to make three to four million dollars this this next year, but I don't think he'll get. If anything, he'll get a team option for the next season, and it'll be a similar salary. Uh, so even at his, I mean, he's young still, um, and, and both of them are are you know in similar situations as far as age. The one thing I'll point out is that Collison has proven over the last few years that he, while he was willing to accept the role. Uh, as a as a bench player with uh, Rajon Rondo last year, I don't think he wants to spend the last three four years of his career playing off the bench for a bad team. And the Kings might be a bad team for the next couple of years. And so I could very well see Darren looking for an opportunity where maybe he has to take a little bit less money, but he goes to a winner and he's you know a vital role with a with a winner. Now Ty, on the other hand, I think Ty can come in and he can, he helps players around him, you know, be better, which is something that I think Darren is a is a good point guard who who sets up you know five to six assists a game, and his role has always been as a scorer. But I think Ty is just more of a true point guard who can help this young group get better going forward, and who already showed this season he's willing to accept a secondary role. If you do draft a young guy, and by midseason that young guy is starting to show some flash, and you need to increase his minutes, 
you know, Darren thinks he's a start an NBA starting point guard. Ty thinks he's an NBA starting point guard, but I think Ty thinks playing 28 to 30 minutes a game is is acceptable for him, and I'm not sure that Darren does. So uh, if I'm going to guess at who would be back and who won't, I think there's a good chance that neither will be back, but I also think there's a better chance that Ty will be back uh, over Darren, and that's not because Darren doesn't want to be here because I know I've talked to Darren plenty of times. He loves Sacramento. Uh, he likes raising his, his son here, and you know they're in, he's in school and everything, and so, you know, moving is jarring and, and it changes your whole life. But at the same time, I think he might chase uh, a situation where he can, you know, have his name out there and, and let him be a, a contributor on a really good team. Yeah, I think so. I mean, a lot of this comes down to as well is what kind of team do the Kings want to be? You know, they're running high post. They're running Jaeger system. You know, who fits the system better is it these two guys or is it another guy you know that they're looking at in the draft or out there in free agency um it, the, the market's not that great at point guard we talked about this before the show so it might be the case that you know it's they the kings are looking at who can they get not who they want and then also you know with these guys going out of the market with the market being flooded with point guards they might also not have that much of a market themselves so um, I don't know. I, I think the Kings are in a real quandary with the point guard position. I think, yes, they'll get somebody young in the draft. That's that's a, that's pretty good. Um, but then how are you assorting the rest of your team? You know, where, where are you putting Buddy Heald? Is, is the way that Buddy's played the last third of the season, you've kind of got a snapshot into what his future might be, his upside, where he's going to play with the ball in his hands a lot. But is that really the big bet that the Kings want to make? Do they, they, do they want to put the ball in Buddy's hands and have more of a passive uh, playmaking point guard, a spot-up shooting point guard to, to mix and match with him? Do you think Buddy's good enough to handle all of that? You know, is, is he a starter? Is he coming off the bench? Those are the questions that I have in my mind. I think Ty facilitates that a lot better. Uh, so I would lean more towards Ty um, long-term. Okay, okay. And then, you know, we'll point out that the point guard crop is uh, it's George Hill, who's a little bit older. Uh, it's Jeff Teague, you know, guys in their prime. Uh, Drew Holiday, uh, Patty Mills. Those are sort of your four point guards. The Kings, I, I'm not going to like throw Chris Paul in there because the Kings aren't getting Chris Paul. Um, he's staying exactly where he's at and he's getting like $200 million to play until he's like 70 years old because that's how he negotiated the new CBA, which was brilliant on his part. <laughs> um, but... I don't know that the Kings can get any one of those guys. And then you have to you have to look at that group and say, how far how much further down the list are Darren and Ty? Are they down the list? Can they be the starter I, for the next I, three years? I think they're they're a far ways down the list from that group. I mean, let's look at that group. Drew Holiday's in that group. Now Drew in New Orleans, if you listen to them talking, um, they want to move him off the ball. They feel he's more of a two. So I don't know how that fits in with the Kings and all of their twos. He's also got serious injury concerns. I think that the team that pays for this contract that he will deserve because of the way that the CBA works, he, um, I don't know that he lives up to that contract. Uh, George Hill. I agree. um, George Hill's got serious injury concerns. I think he would be a perfect fit for the Kings as far as his game. He can play the one or the two. He's more of a combo guard. So then he would pair well with some of these guys like, you know, healed if Bogdanovich plays. 
you got a lot of ball handling on the floor for the Kings. So having somebody like Hill that can do either or is good, but total injury concerns. Jeff Teague's patella tendon on his left knee is a major concern for whoever buys his next contract. And it's, it's the jury's out if he's an upper echelon point guard. And then Patty Mills, I think, is probably the diamond in the rough with this bunch as far as you know cash to value. He's um, ready for an in a prime season uh, this upcoming year, really ready to be let loose and, and kind of give get more responsibility. And then uh, Shelvin Mack is really the only other point guard on the market that I think fits a a need for the Kings. I think he could come in and give you 15, 20 minutes per game, and and you would be happy with those 15 to 20 minutes per game. But that's it. That is all you got out there. Yeah. And and to be honest, Shelvin Mack, I mean, is there a huge difference between Shelvin Mack and what you have in Langston Galloway? I'm there not sure. Is, yeah. I, no, I don't de- know. Defensively with Mack, like Galloway, I think you can only stick on the floor as a scoring point guard. But, it, but he's if you, gritty. He plays a little bit of D. I mean, he's not horrible. You I, just can't have him handling the ball and dishing the ball for 30 minutes a night. I, I, night and day between Mack and, and Galloway, in my opinion. I I just um you know I think you could with Galloway I think if you had him in a 15 minute role 15 to 20 minute role and you're expecting that to be locked down I think that that's going to be a problem for the Kings and right now he is their backup point guard. I think he's better suited as a third point guard. He'd be an excellent third point guard. Come in, give you strong minutes, especially if you need scoring in the rotation on most nights. That kind of guy, I think he could give you 8 to 15 minutes per game. Okay, and we're just going to throw Langston Galloway in that point guard mix. And I'm going to tell you, I think Langston Galloway is a perfectly fine fifth guard. And he's due $5.4 million next season. Uh, he had a player option, and I have been told almost assuredly they believe he will opt in. Uh, and so expect him to be around for another $5.4 million. He can really shoot it, and when he gets hot... He's kind of fun to watch. He's one of those guys that can come off your bench and just give you like it's substantial boost here and there as a really, really efficient scorer who who gets up and down the court. And, you know, again, he's kind of a fun asset to have uh, because he can do he has sort of, a, you know, you look for an elite skill with somebody. This dude can score and he's going to be able to score points per minute you know, really, really well. You're just not going to have him out there for well, a whole and, lot of minutes. And he's handled a starting job before. He did it in New York for a stretch and was really good. And in New Orleans, he struggled. Um, but yeah, this is this is an ideal fifth guard off the bench. Yeah, I think so too. And just so we look at his stats for this season, just so I'm kind of telling people what he's doing. In his 19 games with the Kings, he played a little less than 20 minutes a night. He shot 47.5% from three. Uh, he averaged six points a game, you know, 1.5 assists, 1.8 rebounds. But he's just a, a guy who can come in and fill it up, especially when you're you're in a rut or you need some scoring well, punch. Think about this. If you've got a rookie point guard as well, you know, look at Chris Dunn in Minnesota. Every, a lot of people thought he should be starting or he should, you know, be a star in his first year. And clearly that's not the case. Sometimes these guys need a little time. And to have somebody like Langston Galloway as your third point guard, it just is an incredible Swiss Army knife for your squad. Yeah, and and also I'll point out this, that Langston Galloway is considered one of the better people in the league. He's a very, very good guy. He is the type of player the Kings are trying to bring in. And so so that's a good thing. All right, so we're going to get to the point guard. Uh, we, we're done with the point guard position. Let's get to the shooting guard position. 
Um, Buddy Heald clearly is the soup du jour for the Sacramento Kings. He finished the season on a really, really high note. And for the Kings, in uh, in 25 games, he averaged 15.1 points per game, 4.2 rebounds, which I love. He bumped his assist total up to 1.8. His turnovers were a little, a little sketchy at 2.1, but he did a better job of that down the stretch. And Aaron, he shot 48% from the field and 42.8% from three. And those are big numbers. Uh, I think he's earned the opportunity to walk into next season in a massive competition for the starting shooting guard spot with Garrett Temple. And Garrett Temple's ability to play the one, the two, and the three, I think helps uh, Buddy possibly be a starter. Although I know you think, you know, you want to see him as, as the as a guy off the bench and and Garrett as a starter. But I think that there is a conversation there. Uh, and then on top of that, we have Aaron Aflalo, we already mentioned, at $12.5 million. Uh, I'm just going to tell people, I, I don't think there is any way at all that Aaron Aflalo is back for that dollar figure. Uh, I think the Kings will buy him out for the $1.5 million and clear those minutes out because, again, Garrett, Buddy, they got Malachi, who we haven't seen much of, but you know, in year two, Malachi is a well-built kid. He's not a kid that's going to need a lot of time to mature. And then on top of that, you have the potential for Bogdanovich, Bogdan Bogdanovich to come over from uh, from playing overseas in Turkey. And you don't know what he is, but I guarantee you this, you put him on an NBA court, he's probably a 10.4 uh, rebound guy in year one. That, the Bogdanovich thing is such a wild card because I don't see where he has a position. I got a guy over in Turkey that covers him. Uh, and, and rides me because I keep saying that he should be kind of like the backup point guard option for the Kings if he comes over. And it's only because he's good handling the ball. He's kind of a poor man, CJ McCollum, if you want to call him that, um, you know, until he gets into the NBA and, and shows whether or not he can improve in that he plays this, the screen and roll really well. He gets a defender on his back. He's a good mid-range game. He can pass, rebound a little bit. Um but he really is a shooting guard. That's this this is guy's point is he's a shooting guard and you don't have any real space for him with Temple and Buddy in the mix. And yes, you can move Temple up or down, but it's really not a part of the, the long term game plan. So that piece, uh, I would I would see him as the backup point guard in the Kings configuration. Um, but let's set him aside for a second. The, the story with Buddy, his shooting percentages coming out of college were eye popping. You know, like 50, 40, it was 50, 50, 90 on high volume. And so you you knew that there is this potential for him to be an, a very efficient NBA player. So here he comes into the Kings and really just shows an array of moves. And the the, the question with Buddy is, is he more Jamal Crawford or is he somebody else, you know, that, that can defend, that can pass? and that can finish at the rim. Those are his three areas. And the other issue for him is if he's going to take, you know, so many shots, is he going to understand the game as a whole, you know, the, the functioning heartbeat of a team? Is he going to be able to take that and, and be the lead guy? Because that's as, as important as anything else. If you're going to be the lead guy, you've got to figure out what makes the other four guys tick. So those are my questions with Buddy. As far as, you know, who who would deserve the minutes on an NBA roster? You stick these two on any of the other 29 teams. Garrett's going to deserve the minutes over Buddy every single time down the road. You stick Buddy against elite 
frontline scores in the NBA. And it's not going to be pretty next year. And it's not going to be pretty the year after that. It's not fair to ask him to be good at that. That's not what his calling card coming into the league has been or is or should be. The only real question is distribution of shots, in my opinion. If you find your starting unit is a little bit light on offense, then you might build an argument to bring Buddy in there and do stuff. But it, it's an unquestionable positive you know, um, last third of the season. And the folks in New Orleans were very happy with Buddy, too. He just he had a lot of rookie mistakes. Defensively, you could not keep him on the floor at a lot of times. So I think really you just got to answer those three on-court questions. Defense, can he finish at the rim? Because that unlocks everything. He's he, Right now he's efficient without being able to finish at the rim. And the passing is obviously a big problem. But everything else, his his moxie is shot like his his ability to handle his ability to create all of these things i mean without that finishing move so to speak he's just you know he he's really exceeded all expectations yeah and you know i'll point out he shot 52.5% from 2 i mean he can finish and and i think his floater's nice i think he's got to get a little bit better finishing at the rim um but i don't think that that's always going to be his game and I think that he works his butt off, and that's something that you can't teach. Uh, he's a guy who's in the gym three times a day. If he if he only played eighteen minutes a night, he was in the game. He was in the the practice facility after the game working out. He's a guy that pushes, 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 and I I really respect that. He wants to be great, and I'll also point out he came to basketball late. You know, he was playing high school ball in the Bahamas. What do you, who do you think he was playing against in the Bahamas? I mean, it's not like he's up against, you know, other college level players, players that were going to be college players, you know, so he, he's got some time here to grow. And just because he, his age says 23 uh, as a rookie, don't worry about that. Just just look at the fact that he improved every year in college and he could improve every year in the pros. And, you know, maybe when he's 25, 26, we sort of see the finished product of what he's going to be. And I don't think people are going to be too bummed out about what the finished product is. I think what they're, they are going to know is that he's never going to be a great defensive player. He's always going to need team help, and that's for sure. Um, but then on top of that, I, I think you're still wondering, what is he? Is he is he a six man? Is he a starting two? He's going to try to prove people wrong in that aspect. And uh, the one thing that always sticks out to me, and I've talked about this on the telecast, is that he rebounds really, really well for a shooting guard. And, you know, when I look at him uh, versus a guy like Ben McLemore, who averages, you know, 2.1 rebounds per game versus 4.2, there's just no comparison. You're looking at a guy who actually has an idea of how to go get a ball and actually push the offense. And he's going to get better as a ball handler. He's going to get better in pressure situations. I think we're going to have to figure this out down the road, what exactly he is. Um, But... You know, we forget Malachi in this this conversation. Uh, we also forget uh, Bogdanovich. You know, this is going to be a dogfight for minutes there at that shooting guard position, and that's why I'm going to tell people right away. I don't care. I I know you spent a seventh, the seventh overall pick on him. I don't see any way that Ben McLemore McLemore is back with this team next year. He's a good kid. Uh, the Kings can keep him as a restricted free agent at 5.4 million and see what the market bears out. But I don't think the market value is 5.4 million for him per season. And I think he's shown some flashes 
that he could you know be absolutely spectacular but i know there are a few teams out there the orlando's of the world the charlotte there's a handful of teams out there that have expressed interest and i think that he'll probably be on his way and that's just that's for me looking at the roster breakdown looking at his value to to contract and i don't see that there's a way that he'll be back next year and that's just for me I, I spent the last third of the season at the beginning of it, somewhere around there. I thought to myself, this would be like the worst time to give up on Ben Malcolmore because this is the time it's most likely that things click for him. And I said, you know, I'm going to hold off on that because I want to see how he does in this last third. Because really, um, Dave Yeager and his assistant coaches are are pretty good at what they do, like yes. development wise. And I wanted to see, I mean, we could talk about George Carl. It was a total disaster all the way back going back in time. This is not a disaster. You know, this was this was professional development and wanting to see how he reacted when given the opportunities and he just didn't live up to the kind of the, the call so to speak and that was the clincher for me cuz you know, I I think at that point in time if you're still making the kind of mistakes that he was making on the floor at some point you can be a hard worker, but that's part of the hard work as well and not to be harsh on him. And, and I think that, you know, it, it, he's definitely one of the good guys in Sacramento and, and has really, really worked his butt off. But that one aspect of the game, having it slow down for you, it, it, it's not for everybody. And, and it, it's probably best for him. And, and I don't think the Kings would be making a mistake if they let him walk. Yeah. I'm just going to say, again, I like Ben. I've known Ben since he was a young kid coming into SAC. And I I just, I he needs a change, change of scenery. The Kings might be giving up on what they, what fans, some fans consider an asset. I don't think he's considered around the league as a major asset that can be traded. And uh, while the Kings turn down opportunities to trade him, um, you still look at it this way. They didn't know they were going to have Buddy Hield on the roster. Uh, Langston Galloway's uh, his his one year contract uh, for next season bites into this. Um, Malachi is developed. You're hoping for Bogdanovich, you know, and Garrett can play the two. I mean, you got you already still have four or five guys that can play the two, and that's before draft night. So, so Aaron, this is, this is it's an easy call, and I think that you know Malachi is. is is probably the next. When I look at this roster, and I look at you know kind of what they've got ahead of them, the small forward position is right there with the the point guard position, but it's it's way more optimistic. And so with Malachi, I think he's a three. I don't think he's a two at all. I hope he's league. a three. If he's a three, he solves a lot of uh, questions. I think. Yeah, I think he's got the strength. I think he's got the lateral movement, the shot. I think he's got the game. I think he's better at the three than the two. It's I think that, especially with the league trending smaller, I don't think he's going to get beat up down there. There might be some matchup issues with guys like Kevin Durant at the three or something like that, who doesn't have that problem. Yeah, and, that's you a know, he's athletic and, <laughs> Yeah, it's an athleticism. He's got an athleticism where you go, okay, well, you know, at least you have a chance <laughs> you know, yeah. to not look silly. But Kevin Durant aside, I think, yeah, he's a three. And and I think that he's – I don't think you want to start him at three this season. I think that there are a lot of threes in free agency that you could be looking at, and that leads us to Rudy Gay. Yeah. Well, no, you skipped one. There's another one there, and that's Tyreek Evans, who will not be back. Oh, yeah. sorry. <laughs> yeah. 
I can I can almost guarantee you that Tyreek Evans uh, will not be back. I think Tyreek Evans comes back to the Kings in a trade down the road that nobody would Again. ever predict. Yeah, and he yeah. comes back and and he plays a big role in a championship. How about that? Yeah, he does the Corliss Williamson <laughs> three times, three times the lady. Um, yeah, you know when I really look at what Tyreek brought, it was the same exact thing that he brought a few years ago, except for he shot the three better, and it was a lot of ball stopping. It was uh, a guy who clearly is not healthy yet, and hopefully he gets healthy this summer and is able to bounce back. But he spent, I think it was 13, 14 months being inactive because of uh, because of knee trouble. And so I wish the best for him. Uh, but let's skip to the Rudy Gay situation. So um, there's some hellabaloo about the the Rudy Gay situation on Monday. There was some uh, some folks who thought that he was, uh, this was the day he had to decide whether or not he was a free agent. And the way it's written from what I know is that um, he becomes a free agent five days after the Kings season ends or June 10th, whichever comes second. So if somehow the Kings had made it past June 10th and were still in the playoffs, it would then revert to five days after the season ends, if that makes sense. Um, so as of right now, he ha- he can declare free agency now. He can opt out of his final year at $14.2 million and walk away. Or he can wait until June 9th or June 10th and do it then. And uh, for my money, I can almost assure you from the way that I've read the tea leaves and the way that I've seen reactions and body language and everything else that I know about this situation – I just don't see him coming back unless absolutely no one is going to give him a contract offer because of his Achilles. And I, I think he still believes he can make $15, $20 million a year. Um, I don't think that's the case. I think he could still get a two-year, $25 million contract out there on the open market, I believe. I mean, Aaron Aflalo just got that, uh, although that was with the Kings. I, I mean, I think he has the potential to go out and get that because there are teams that need what he brings. I just don't think it will be with the Kings. And even if he decides to opt in, I don't think the Kings will, will keep him. They'll If they have to wait until the season starts and showcase him and show that he's better, that's one thing. But I also think there's a possibility they would work out a trade during the summer and move on from him. Yeah, I think that for Rudy and his agent, when they get into their war room and they look at this, it's about fit, not about dollars. Um if he plays for the Kings and the the Kings hold the cards here, if the Kings said, well, Rudy, we're not going to play you this year. That's going to be terrible for his next contract. Yes. He doesn't want that. They don't want that. So they hold the Trump card here as far as your scenarios. Yeah. I think those could absolutely, does he opt in to get, you know, essentially that guaranteed money. I think though that he's looking for a team that's, that needs a 20 to 25 minute per game score that can bring him along in his first year slowly. So there's not as much pressure on him to perform. I think he takes an undermarket deal, but for longer years and for more, uh, obviously guaranteed money, probably a two to three year deal with another team that's fit for him. And, mm-hmm. and so the Kings, I don't think they're going to worry about is Rudy going to take kind of a roster spot. Is Rudy going to cost them underneath the cap? I mean, yes, absolutely. He could cost them underneath the cap, but I do think that that would be some sort of, um, move that like you've outlined there. And yeah. that opens up the question of what are you going to do with this spot? And luckily for the Kings, there are high-end options, there are mid-tier options, there are low-end options that will be available at small forward this year. 
in free agency, I would not bend over backwards to keep Rudy in any way, shape, or form. I think you got a lot of flexibility there. I agree. All right, so let's skip to power forward spot. Let's get let's bust through some of these really quick. Um, I think as of opening, as of closing of business in 2016-17, uh, Scalabisier is your starting point guard for the 2017-18 season. Uh, power forward. Power forward. So what did I say? Point guard. Point guard. Yeah, my bad. Yeah, pal, uh, power forward. Uh, for my money, that's what I would do. I think Scal will come back uh, at least 15 pounds heavier. I think he'll come back with a an increased skill set, which I think will be absolutely spectacular to watch. Um, and I think he is the future of the franchise at the power forward position. Uh, 6'11", huge wingspan, um, guy who go, goes out and gets you rebounds. His per 36 numbers are like very close to, I think it's 19 and 10. Uh, and I think that next season, he's going to show a lot. And you're going to have some nights where he has some struggles. You're going to have other nights where you're, everyone is applauding and saying, oh my gosh, I cannot believe that Lottie Divots got this guy with the 28th pick in the draft. And so I believe he's your starting power forward next season. But I do believe the Kings will bulk up that position. Now, there's the question of of uh, Anthony Tolliver. And look, I love Anthony Tolliver. I think he is one of the NBA's good guys, just like Garrett Temple. I think that the Kings did a very nice job of bringing in Tolliver, Temple, uh, even guys like Aflalo and Lawson, uh, guys like Costa Kufis. They're good people. And whether they have some issues off the court like Ty does or not, that doesn't change whether they're good people. And you can tell good people when you're around them. Uh, Langston Galloway is another guy, like really, really good people. And so I think the Kings are in a dilemma here because he's not young. He, I think he'll be 32 uh, going into the next season. He's owed $8.5 million, uh, and the Kings have a buyout for two. And so you have to decide, is he worth that $6.5 million for next season? Can you get something better for that money? Um, and is it, it, it does it behoove you just to keep him because he's such a great human being and will help your young players develop? And so it's really tough. He can still shoot the three. We still saw that this season. He's not completely inept on the basketball court. He actually has some skill. Uh, in 65 games, he averaged 22.7 minutes. He averaged 7.1 points, 3.7 uh, rebounds. You know, he shot 39.1% from three. He still has a marketable skill in three-point shooting. But I'm not sure that the Kings are ready to keep him if this or to improve that position can they improve that position can they get someone younger can they get somebody who does something different who's a little more of a banger uh to compliment scowl uh can they you know they've got some options here you know the the list is long actually but it's not it's not great it's there's not a lot of huge upgrades here um what the Kings face is if their starting lineup is Willie Cauley-Stein and Scala BCA, they have a high center of gravity. A lot of strong lower lower gravity players are going to be able to get – kind of clear them out and own the paint. And so you look at Papa Giannis and, and you go, okay, well, we got the big bruiser. What's our kind of in-between? And the in-between options aren't – you know, they're very Anthony Tolliver-esque. You know, Tolliver is an in-between. You know, he can bang a little bit. He can get out there on the perimeter a little bit. 
you know, his bankable skill is his shooting. He does a little bit here and a little bit there, but, you know, get a little long in the tooth and, and you're thinking, OK, I wish we had a better backup for option behind Scal. A couple names that jump out, interestingly, would be the uh, reunion with Zach Randolph and Dave Yeager. Interesting. Um, Amir Johnson would be an interesting option. You got Taj Gibson out there, PJ Tucker, James Johnson. So those five guys alone each carry um, an upgrade. And whether or not, you know, I know I just said James Johnson. You guys got to know he's had an amazing year in Miami. Who knows if he would have that kind of a year away from Miami. But you have some options there. You know, Cristiano Felicio is a restricted free agent. Jamichael Green. Jamichael Green is the guy that turns my head. Yeah, I mean, but still, and, and like Joffrey, well, yeah, yeah, there's not, a, there's not a clear upgrade here. So I think you might take, you know, if you want to add some more veteran leadership and, and a little bit of scoring off the bench, you could add Zebo, see how that goes, if, if he is indeed wanting to even leave Memphis. But there's, um, there's options there, but the Kings do need, at a minimum, to find one defensively minded in-between player that can just get in there and, and tear it up. You know, Quincy AC even. I, I don't know he's, what his contract signed, is. He signed a two-year deal. And, and I see yeah, Quincy AC is a guy. But see, that's where I think that second-round pick really comes in. I think you can find mm-hmm. a banger who's ready to play in year one in the second round. Even if he's not in the league for 10 years, you can still find a guy that can come in and give you honest minutes as, as, a, as a guy who beats down people. Uh, or... Aaron, you could go with a younger version of Tolliver and, you know, we're, uh, guys like Urson Ilasova or guys like uh, Miritich. I think, Tolliver's, I think Tolliver's better than both of them already. And and that's – but, that I mean, again, this speaks more to the fact that there's not that many great up – I would if – I'm, if I'm the Kings, I keep Tolliver this year. I think that what he's doing in the locker room along with what he's doing on the court, I think it's kind of a win-win. The contract's not exorbitant by any means. Yes, any of these guys. I think if you can add any of the aforementioned, um, I might be a little iffy on Amir because he might, you know, his ankles might fall off at any day now. But um, you know, Tucker on his own is, is a is a force. Yeah, like, he's PJ one of the Tucker few... is going to finish out his career playing for playoff teams again in, in the Eastern Conference <laughs> against LeBron James. Yeah, the Kings it's... are going to have to pay big money that, to get a guy like PJ Tucker, and I don't oh. know that PJ Tucker's worth big money. Well, here's the problem the Kings are facing is they've got big money. You know, we talked about this before the show started. They got money to spend and where are they going to spend it? And are they going to have a crack at somebody that's worth the money? The, the list of people that are worth the money is really to me, maybe one, two. And that's starting with Otto Porter. Yeah. And working your way down. And yeah. then after that, I think you get as many mid tier guys as you can and and you wait to fire that bullet as long as you can, um, even though that salary floor is is, is beckoning. Uh, but yeah, small forward is that's the the difference maker for the for the Kings. If they can get Otto Porter, this makes this team incredibly long and athletic. Yeah, think Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, no, I, I agree. If you can get that 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 extra piece there, okay. Let's finish up uh, the center position. Kosta Kufis, uh, pros pro. Um, Papa Giannis is showing some signs. Willie is showing some major signs. And I think everyone should be pretty happy about Willie, uh, especially his rebounding numbers the second half of the season. But I think with Willie, you need to see it for more than the last 25 games. It can't be a 
oh, you don't like that I don't rebound? Well, let me show you. I can go get you double-figure rebounds every day, and now I showed you, and you were wrong. That's not the way this works. You got to show it for 82 games. That's what the NBA is about. It's about players who can go out there, even if he's a guy who can average 11 points and 8 rebounds with a block and a half and a steal and a half. He's absolutely so incredibly perfect for this team as long as he's playing defense. You, but you still have to get him to that. You still have to get him there. Isn't, it, isn't that classic Willie, though? Because like everybody's like, why isn't he rebounding? And then he goes and he thinks to himself, I want to go and excel at rebounding. And then he goes out there and he does it. It Willie is, is classic. A, it, it is classic, it's classic Willie. Willie. It's classic Willie. And he's going to go do Navy SEALs training this summer. And they're going to teach him how to be you know, efficiently effective at everything he does. I hope and, so. And that's I, – yeah. I, I just – you know, the sky is the limit for him. I, I like the way he approaches the game. I think you just have to kind of expect things to go a little bit slower because he's not trying to just like break through the wall and get it done so fast. He wants to cl- completely understand it. He wants to put his own spin on it, an artistic approach, if you will. And it's really cool to watch. You know, not every basketball player <laughs> approaches it the way that he does. And um, he's he's on the top five, you know, post game quotes in the NBA already. He, he's he's a really fun player. He's he's classic Sacramento, and um, I, I I look for big things out of him. The thin towers, especially in today's NBA, if you have somebody, let's get to Papianis because Papianis to me is you know I I when they said Mark Gasol, everybody laughed at them, and I laughed at them, and now I understand why they would even think that in the first place i agree it's it's not it's too much to put on his shoulders to be in the same ballpark as mark gasol but he has a guard-like feel for the game he moves his feet upon catching the ball into a shooter's position and he's ready to shoot he sees guard-like passes he's been improving incrementally in these games and there's a touch he shoots free throws well I, I can see him stepping out to three, you know, at Mark Gasol's stage of his career. So I, I get this, and I, I just I kind of cracked up at the end of the year. I'm looking at Vlade's draft, and I'm going, well, is there even a draft that was close to as good as his? No. And that's phenomenal when you consider all this <laughs> anti-Vlade Divac sentiment in the league. Like, it, it's amazing how good of a job he has done. And... For Papianis, you know, to be kind of the the, the subject of ridicule, um, he's come in and he's got that no nonsense attitude. I mean, that thing about wanting to fight the entire Phoenix Suns team, that was great to me. Oh, his you quotes were so that. good. Did you see his quotes that he gave me? Oh <laughs> no, my what, gosh, he said. What did he say? <laughs> he said some some people think that I'm quiet, and you know, quiet people they have the fire inside, and it's like, oh. And he's oh, like, well. what? he's like, they they want to fight me. He's like, that's okay. Like, I turn around, there's three Phoenix Suns coming at me. Like, okay, let's fight. <laughs> and it's just, and I asked every player in the locker room, are you surprised he's the first guy they got a tech? The Kings hadn't had a technical since since they had uh, they had traded Demarcus Cousins since, since, since the All Star break, <laughs> since a couple of games before the All Star break. So yeah, you might have heard like, that on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Anyway, I, I asked uh, I asked Garrett, I asked Ty, I asked Willie. Willie goes, oh, man, he's crazy. 
It's like, what are you talking about? No, he's the guy. He's always going to be. Yeah, no, he's he's the first guy I was expecting. I'm looking. I'm like, what? And I asked Ty. He's like, oh no, yeah, yeah. He's the guy. He's he's the dude. He he got a little fire in his belly. You should see him in practice. And then I asked Garrett. He's like, you know. I was right there, and I heard everything he said. And you know what? He speaks perfect English. And then Garrett said, "I think, I think he learned those words first where he's from, because <laughs> <And laughs> he's like that was clear as a bell. Like, whoa, yeah, hey, oh. the other thing about this Kings team that's unique is you know, post Demarcus is they're a cast of characters. They're just crack ups, and that's how the Kings really jumped onto the map back before Twitter, back before MySpace, back before." Yeah everything in this, you know, SI.com covers. And you, you were like, who's this crazy team out of Sacramento with all the, all the characters. And, um, that's what strikes me about this team. They got a lot of balance, but they got, you know, a couple zany guys and, and they all have some unique, um, yeah. kind of elite, elite skill of some sort, you know? And, and that's, um, again, it, it makes this such a weird sort of season is it is a tale of two seasons. And um, you you can disagree with the, the trade, the way it was conducted, and the return, but it it is now working out, I think, for the Kings. I think it is too. I I really uh, I come out of it much more optimistic than I have in previous years, but knowing that there's so much work to be done. Okay, so we're gonna cover these things really quickly. Um, I'm gonna point this out. Willie Cauley's time for me is a guy who decides to meander down the long path instead of taking the the direct approach. Um, you know, and, and I, I want him to like, look at a, a bunch of switchbacks and do what I would do. And that's slide down the middle and skip the switchbacks and, you know, slide down the next hill and get to the next switchback. He's not going to be that guy. He's always going to move up incrementally in his, in his development. I think Scal and Buddy are guys who can jump big time above their, their place where you thought they would be to somewhere different. Okay, so um, here's kind of the rundown. Uh, the Kings have eight players under contract going forward, uh, and, and that's not including Aaron Flalo or Garrett Temple, and these are or or uh, Rudy Gay. The three of those guys make about thirty four point seven million uh, next season, and so if the Kings have all three of those guys on the books, their number jumps up to roughly. I don't know, $79 million, $69 million, excuse me, is where their cap figure is. That still leads leaves them roughly $34 million under the cap. The cap this year is, is at 103 Now, if those guys don't come back and you buy all of them out and that's where you move forward here, um, the, the contracts get way crazier the contract space, the the amount of freedom the Kings have, um, they could have upwards of $63 million to spend in free agency. I don't know that they can spend that because they only have seven roster spots. They have three draft picks coming in Bogdanovich possibly. So that puts them at 12 players. So now you're looking at three or four or maybe five roster spots. So really this kind of gets a little strange very quickly. Um, but there's a ton of cap space here, Aaron, a ton they can't they can't spend it on guys that they don't if you want to go out and get drew drew holiday that is i i could get behind it because of his pedigree and what he might bring to the table but if you're going to go pay big big money for these other guys in long-term deals i think you're going to end up regretting that later on 
Um, but then you got Otto. I think Otto's worth it. Otto's your key guy this offseason. <laughs> we uh, just Kingston. keep acting like it's almost done. Ah, I know. Well, you know what? There's not a lot of teams that I don't think – I don't think everybody out there understands what Otto Porter does. Like, Yeah, but the, you, Nets, you have are, to be, the Nets have you know more money than – than you can possibly imagine to flush down the toilet. I mean, there are teams that have money. Yeah, that, there's teams, and then it's all about fit and everything else. Like, yeah. I think that, but the, again, I think the Kings have a promising sales proposition to other teams. You know, the you know the Nets, they're still without another first round pick. They're yeah. they're they're really Even hurting. Next year, next year they don't have first round pick either. The Celtics get it again. It's, so this year they're swapping. Next year they get their pick. Right, and it's so it's pain. It's painful for that. There's, I think the Kings have a nice chance at Otto Porter. Um, Contavious Caldwell Pope is a restricted free agent. I would imagine Detroit wants to keep him. I don't know that he's going to get kicked out. Whereas in Washington, they, I don't think they can afford him there. Um, That's the, the reason Otto Porter. Let's just get that out of the way. Otto Porter, thirteen point four points, six point four rebounds, shot forty three point four percent from three. He plays defense. He passes the ball. He rebounds. He does a lot of cool things at that small forward spot. He's got incredible length, and he's only 23 years old. That's why Aaron and I keep circling Otto Porter and telling everyone well, Otto Porter. Also, imagine you have a good defensive point guard, Garrett Temple, Otto Porter, Scalabca, and Willie Cauley-Stein. That's an insane potential defense. Like, yeah. you can't you can't draw it up any better than that. So that's that's why Otto Porter is such a big deal for Kings fans. Um, there's some other names on this list. I just want to get them off off my chest here. I think if Kings fans watching the playoffs, watch the Utah Jazz and a guy named Smokin' Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles is if if the Kings can can make a big offer there, you know, not it, it's probably not going to take a lot because I don't think a lot of teams understand how good he is. Um, he's somebody that the Kings should really work hard because he can play shooting guard. He could play small forward. He could probably even play a little bit of four, um, but he's really a three and, and he's going to move the ball. He's going to hit three pointers. He's going to play a lot of defense and he's just a quintessential glue guy and he'll come cheap. Um, Andre Roberson, I'm a little concerned about his knee, but he's another name that you could be looking at. Kelly I, Olenek, we, we talked about him. Roberson plays a two more than he plays a three. I, I like Roberson. I, I mean, I think Roberson is a is a good player, and I, I defensively, the Kings need more defensive players. I, I agree, but I, I'm just saying. Go ahead. And, and there's a lo- I mean, there's a long list of guys, you know, that are also out there, um, you know, restricted free agents that could possibly be acquired. Alan Williams in Phoenix. I don't know if if um, teams are are on to what he's bringing to the table. Said Felicio. Tim Hardaway Jr. is probably going to be kept up by Atlanta. He's an elite scorer. Watch out for that guy. Um, yeah, I, there's a lot of options, though, at small forward. I I would say spend your money on Otto. Consider spending your money on Drew Holiday. You know, maybe make a kind of high-end but smart offer to George Hill. I, I don't think Jeff Teague's the guy you want to spend money on. Patty Mills could be a good two- to three-year stopgap solution um, as a scoring point guard. But yeah, and I, it's going to be hard for them to spend all that money, and you just want them to not do it when it's not good. Yeah, I think what you want is more Garrett Temple type deals, more three year, where no one, not a lot of teams are willing to go three years or four years on a guy and, and give somebody a little bit more money. Uh, you know, the eight to ten million dollar a year range, and people should know that the the mid level exemption is going up. It's going to be, I think, the mid level exemption will be seven and a half million this next year, eight million. 
uh, minimum salaries are going up. The buy level exemption is going up to like five million. So, so the money we're talking about here is very different than it has been in past years. But I like, uh, you know, we brought up uh, Urson Ilasova. I don't think he's a bad player, and he can play the two. I mean, the the three and the four. Uh, Miritich is a guy that I think uh, is gonna the Kings will look at because of his ability to stretch the floor and he's, you know, only 25 years old, average 10, 10, six and 5.5. Uh, he shot 34% this year from three, but the year before he shot 39%. So he's a guy that I think you could see them go after. Um, a couple of other guys that I'll bring up, uh, Bojan Bogdanovic, you could go dual Bogdanovic, uh, <laughs> go Bogdanovic, Bogdanovic at the two, three and the, uh, Bojan Bogdanovic, can really shoot it. He shot 39% from three with Washington, uh, averaged 13.7 and 3.4 rebounds on the season. He's not going to do a lot of dirty work, but if you got just a a need for a flamethrower on the outside. And then the other guy that, uh, well, the two guys that I think are kind of Kings-type targets if I'm looking at, uh, you know, who can I go get that can immediately impact the defensive end immediately impact you know give me something but not be over the top not need all of the all the shots and all that stuff uh that would be robert covington and jamichael green i like jamichael green and i you know i think dave yeager would probably say the same thing he likes him and he wouldn't mind making a phone call there uh jamichael green ended up shooting 38.2 percent from three this year 8.9 points 7.1 rebounds he blocks a little bit of shots here and there uh, he's super long, um, and, and I like those guys. But remember, you're probably going to draft a small forward, and that small forward, if you're getting, you know, some of these small forwards at that number eight to ten spot, these guys are projects. They're going to take a while. I'm glad you brought up the picks. I think the Kings have to absolutely package these two picks and try to climb up and get. Oh, you're buying in. You're buying, buying in now. I, I'm buying in. Yeah, I think that you 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 don't need the two picks. I think you need the one. I think that consolidating the value and there's too much there's too much good stuff here on free agency. I mean, unless you you really think two of these guys are are long term guys, like if you're really convinced that you can get hit you can hit on both of them. I just think that you you combine them, you go up there. You, you grab whatever is available at wherever you can get, yeah. whether that's at point guard or small forward. I mean, I'm thinking Lonzo Ball and, and Josh Jackson. I have not done any draft research. I'm just relying on what I, a lot of people that I trust say. Um, and, and and then you go at it that way um, because you had too many rookies. It, it, it's, it's a little bit – you need a little bit more balance. You've got to fall in, in love, there. absolutely fall in love with Jonathan Isaac, with Dennis Smith. Or with Frank uh, Tinkalinka. You have to absolutely fall in love with one of those guys to not try to move up, in my opinion. Because if you can come out of this draft with either Ball, Jackson, Tatum, or De'Aaron Fox, you've locked up one position on the floor for the next decade. That's the hope. And that player should be very close to all-star level. Uh, and the hope would be that he could be you know, an all-star level or more. And I, I think that's you have to do it. I mean, even if it means if you're sitting there and the draft goes according to Draft Express, where Fultz and Ball and Jackson and Tatum go, and number five is De'Aaron Fox, and you have De'Aaron Fox rated as an All-Star level point guard, 
and you don't have Dennis Smith or you don't have Frank Tinkalinka uh, set up as as an all-star, you have to make that move because that's how this team gets better fast with one floor general, with one guy. And again, Josh Jackson, floor general, even from the small forward position. He is a leader, a guy that brings you into battle. He may have a little crazy in him, but you know this is a player that can change the direction of your franchise. And that's where the Kings are. And again, Aaron... You start mixing and matching some of these guys. You start signing ten, twelve million dollar contracts. The Kings could do, you know, what four, fifteen million dollar contracts. They could do a twenty-five, a fifteen, and still have a huge amount of cap space left. I'll put it this way: you guys have Joe Ingles as your starting small forward next year for like the next two years. You guys will love that. It, it it's there, there's something to be said for long term, short term, and and veteran players and and kind of getting cheap solutions in place while your organization maneuvers for the long term. And and then so you can strike at a bigger free agent with a better roster, a better sales pitch to the free agents that would be coming on board and, and trying to reach up and get some higher end free agents, not this year, but in the next year and the year after that. So yeah, I think if you can consolidate, that would be awesome. I want to rattle off a couple of names while we're, we're talking about this stuff. I'm not even going to talk about them. I think Tabo Cephalosha, Justin Holiday. Jeff Withy and Mike Mascala are on the list. Okay, okay, I'm down with those. I, I really liked your uh, what is it, Alan Williams? Is that who it is in Phoenix? Oh, big sauce, yeah, big hey, dude, sauce. They're not letting that guy go, but that's that's the type of dude the Kings need to go with Scal yep. and with these guys, in my opinion. And you know, I'm not gonna make any promises that that Tolliver, that Aflalo. Phoenix is dumb enough to get rid of that guy. Well, maybe, but I don't even think I, I'm not even going to say that that I'll guarantee that Costa Kufis will be back next year. I think the Kings are open for business. I also think that they can trade a Flalo and Tolliver uh, between now and July 1st and take back a bigger contract and maybe move up in the draft that way. We've brought that up before. If uh, you're number eight and Phoenix is number five, and you will take back Brandon Knight and his obscene amount of money owned owed over the next two or three years well but if you can go from eight to to five and you know he's a serviceable guy you don't have to have a third but you bring in Aaron De'Aaron Fox and you got him backed up by Brandon Knight maybe that's the solution and again the Kings have so much cap space use your cap space wisely and and I think they will do that Brandon Knight is the question mark of free agency and the just in general. I think he's the the price tag so high, the upside is there, the injury risk is there. But they the have to give up about, something to take him back. No one is taking yeah, back Brandon Knight at what he's owed. It's it's a it's I, and I think this is the year for the Kings to sit out on stuff like this. Like you've got a foundation, you know, started. Just build it the right way. You don't have to take every risk that's out there, you know just kind of go methodically through the process not that process but a process yeah and 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 i think the kings it's just slow and steady wins the race here i think there's a lot of upside or probably options out there um and consolidate those draft picks yeah he's owed 45 million over the next three years that's a lot of money but that might buy me from 10 to 5 and it might buy me from 8 to 4 if I'm willing to take that back and I'll give them a flalo and they can buy him out for $2 million, if I'm given $43 million in contract, and it's not like you're not getting a player. You're getting a player. You just hope that that player you know, can can sit there and figure out his 
his world on the basketball court and get better. So just food for thought, Aaron, we've gone way long. So, uh, <laughs> Oh, we had a little time to catch up. That's right. That's right. Okay. So let me just run down what's going to happen next. Uh, we got the draft lottery on, on May 16th, I think. Uh, we also have the NBA draft, which is June 22nd. We're going to completely shift gears here. Like we do every year. And we're going to try to bring in some of the best and brightest minds in the basketball world to talk about the NBA draft and these players that are going to be coming through, hopefully. Uh, I'm not going to make promises who we're getting yet, but we're going to have some great names, just like we do every year. And uh, we'll kick that off either later this week or early next week. Um, But you'll find all of uh, Aaron over at hoop-ball.com. You'll find all of me at uh, NBCSportsBayArea.com. where you're going to see just a massive amount of draft. Uh, we'll go over some of this roster situation so you can kind of see it in print form and see the dollars and cents of it. Um, but it's going to be a really, really exciting summer, and we'll have you covered all the way through. I, hey, Aaron, I, I don't think I'm doing Warriors coverage until late, uh, <laughs> which which wipes wipes out all of your, uh, your next couple of weeks. But we'll come out with a, uh, a mock draft here very soon. And you'll start to see this stuff lay out. Um, yeah, but some good stuff on its way. Aaron, do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, and I, this is a sad one. The um, the death of Isaiah Thomas's sister mm-hmm. um, is just a brutal, brutal. I know a lot of people in Sacramento, um, you know, sent out their thoughts, their prayers. Um, you know, reached out to his group, and you know, they're obviously, you know, not doing well. Um, he played great in the uh, game one for the uh, Celtics the other day, just a brutal, brutal loss. And Isaiah, with what he's done for the community here in Sacramento, you know, we've talked at length about kind of how he was shown out the door. Uh, He really connected with the community here. And and you could see that in the way that people kind of sent their love out on the timeline. So uh, we're sending our thoughts and prayers out to Thomas, his family, and and everybody that's involved. Just terrible, brutal, brutal news. Yeah, absolutely horrible. Uh, You know, and people... Anyone who said a negative word about Isaiah after he left here, um, they really weren't paying attention. I had nothing but massive respect. He spoke his mind. Uh, He's a great young kid. He's an incredibly hard worker um, and really just uh, horrible, horrible events for him. So uh, thoughts and prayers definitely for Isaiah Thomas and his family after the passing of his sister uh, over the weekend. Um, Aaron, I think uh, we're going to end on that somber note. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the NBC Kings Insider, NBC Sports Kings Insider podcast. For Ambrusky, I am James Ham. Thank you for tuning in. To protect your fleet and your reputation, there's the Michelin Agilis Cross Climate Tire, Michelin's most durable, heavy-duty, commercial light truck tire ever. Visit business.michelinman.com slash professional services to outfit your fleet.